So we've been working on the Gospel of Mark this summer, and I worked fairly slowly through the first 20 verses or so, but I'm going to pick up the pace a bit now. There's some different reasons for that. I'm going to read about 25 verses tonight. Um, One reason is that sometimes I think we read the Bible what some people call atomistically. We grab a verse here or a phrase there and we run with that. And so I think it's good sometimes for us to sit together and hear a little bit more extended uh, set of verses. And also I think these stories and many stories throughout the Gospel of Mark especially reflect on each other. If you read a set of several stories in sequence and you think about the order they're in and how they're arranged, it opens up each of those stories in some different, sometimes predictable, sometimes unexpected ways. So tonight we'll be reading from Mark chapter 1. I'm going to read from verse 21 all the way to the end of the chapter. That's verse 45. Let's read. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to evil spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever and they told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand and helped her up. The fever left her and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you! Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him, and he was cured. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. This is God's word for us tonight. So I'm going to work through this passage in three parts. Verses 21 through 34 show us that Jesus has the authority to teach and to heal. And then verses 35 to 39 are sort of a pause. And then in there, Mark shows us that Jesus doesn't always give us what we expect. 
And finally, verses 40 to 45 show us that Jesus make us truly clean. So first, Jesus has the authority to teach and to heal. In the Old West, and for a while after that, traveling medicine shows were a huge hit. There'd be a wagon train that would show up in town, and they'd set up a stage and get everything set up, and they'd spend a couple evenings in a particular town. And all these shows had different acts. Some had magicians, some had musicians, some had acrobats, some had all, just all kinds of different performers. But these traveling shows focused on the doctor. And the doctor, and almost all the time not a real doctor, but sales were better if he said he was a doctor, the doctor would come out between these different performances and he would peddle his miracle medicine, this patent medicine that he developed. And this medicine, he'd proclaim, is a wonderful thing. It'll cure every disease. It'll do away with wrinkles. It'll prolong your life. It'll remove stains from your clothes. It'll do anything and everything. This miracle medicine, this secret formula from nature, went one, will cure rheumatism, cancer, diabetes, baldness, bad breath, and curvature of the spine. So the doctor does his sales pitch, and they have these performances, and they would generally keep going until they'd raised enough money for the night, and then they'd wrap up, and they might stick around one more day, do a second show in a town, and then they'd move on to a new town. They'd do the same show, do the same pitch, and the key part of this whole strategy from the show end was to move on quickly. Because the medicine was fake. The doctor was fake. He was a fraud. The medicine wasn't any good. You could take it to, say, cure baldness and maybe it'd turn your hair pink or do absolutely nothing at all. The whole thing was just a show. It was just a way to separate people from their money. And that actually wasn't a new thing in the Old West. As far back as recorded history, pretty much, we have stories of people who went around doing tricks to get money from people, doing tricks to put on a show, to get a place in a community for a couple days, to pull the wool over people's eyes, take advantage of them, and move on. Now, as he gives us these stories about Jesus at the beginning of his gospel, Mark wants very clearly to have his audience hear that Jesus is not... Jesus is not a traveling medicine showman. Jesus is the real deal. And Mark wants us to see clearly and inescapably that Jesus has real authority and real power. Jesus has authority to teach unlike anybody else. And Jesus really has the power to heal people. In the text that we read for today, the people are first of all amazed at Jesus' authority to teach. They say he has authority unlike the teachers of the law. And those teachers of the law, those scribes, in a day where formal education wasn't that much of a thing, they were a big deal. These were people who knew the Old Testament. They knew the law and they knew how to teach people about it. And these were people who had the authority to make, write out, and sign binding documents. These were people who had the authority to make binding decisions. They were professors, pastors, lawyers, judges, and more, all rolled up into one. These are people who had real authority. And it seems like in this text, when the people are saying Jesus has authority beyond that of the teachers of the law, it's not that they're saying, oh, those people, they ain't got nothing. What they're saying is this Jesus guy, this Jesus guy, what he does is unbelievable. When he teaches, it feels, I mean, the only word for it is supernatural. 
That's what that word authority early on in this chapter, it gives that sense that this is supernatural authority. It's beyond anything else you have ever seen. And then Jesus starts performing miracles. And back then there were people who claimed to perform miracles and generally they had their magic words and they had their little formulas and they had their techniques and they would do all these steps to do the right thing and then you get the cure. But Jesus doesn't have any of those showy techniques. He just does the miracles. He says to a demon, get out! And it goes. He reaches out and he takes a woman by the hand and she's healed and she gets up and she's totally healed just like that. Jesus doesn't need any magic words or techniques. He has so much power. He just says this is what it's going to be and that's what it is. And that's the kind of power, that's the kind of authority that Mark wants to make his audience wrestle with. These stories show that Jesus has all authority. When he speaks, that is how it is. When he commands something, it happens. Doesn't matter if it's a demon or an illness or what it is, it is under Jesus' authority. So when we hear these stories from Mark, we have a choice to make, and we have to make this choice. There is no avoiding it. C.S. Lewis probably has the classic description of this choice, but people have modified it a bit over the years. But here's the deal. The Gospel of Mark gives us a Jesus who has authority to teach, an authority to heal, an authority to cast out demons, and here's your choice. You can say that this Jesus is a fake, that he's a liar. You can say that somehow he's tricking everybody and he's getting away with it. Maybe you can even say he's in league with Satan and he's using demonic power to drive out the demons. You can say that Jesus is a liar or a fake. Or you can say that Jesus is just crazy. You can say he's a lunatic. He's deluded. He thinks he's healing and helping people, but really he's just off his meds. Really, in the grand scheme of things, he's about as much in touch with reality as someone who insists that he's a boiled egg. This is a nutcase. You can say that Jesus is a lunatic. Or you can say that Jesus is a legend. You can say these stories are made up. They're wonderful stories. They're great stories that Mark made up to encourage his community of faith. And they're nice fairy tales and they're playing pretend. And wouldn't it be wonderful if life was such that people actually got healed? You can say those things or you can actually listen to what Mark has to say to us. And you can see who Jesus is. In this text, Mark puts that truth in the mouth of a demon in verse 24. And that demon says that Jesus is the Holy One of God. Jesus is God Himself. Jesus is the King. So you can choose to insist that Jesus is a liar or a lunatic or a legend. There's really good arguments against all of those options. Probably the best argument is the Bible itself and the enduring witness of the Christian community, the church. But there's, there's tons of other arguments against those ideas. But still, you can insist that Jesus is a fake or a fool or a fiction. Or we can listen to the gospel. And we can wrestle with the reality that Mark presents Jesus as Lord. And if that's what we believe, and if we're Christians, then that is what we believe. Then we need to put ourselves under Jesus' authority. And when we do that, we find out that Jesus doesn't always give us what we expect. That's the second point for tonight. Jesus follows his plans, not our plans. There's a funny pause 
in the middle of our reading for today. As we walk through the text, people are amazed at Jesus' teaching. He drives out an evil spirit. He heals Simon's mother-in-law. And the whole town of Capernaum comes and they're outside the door. And he's healing people left and right. And everyone is amazed at him. We're up to verse 34 in the text now. And Jesus is the real deal. He's becoming a celebrity. Everyone is getting in on the action. The people are flocking to him. And then Mark hits the pause button. We come to verse 35 and we find out the next morning before it's even dark, before it's even light, Jesus gets up and Jesus doesn't get the party started again. Jesus goes out to a solitary place far away from everybody where no one knows that he is and Jesus prays. And the way that reads is Jesus prayed. He prayed and he prayed and he prayed and he prayed and he prayed some more. And you can picture Simon and the other disciples back in town. Jesus is knocking, or the crowd is knocking on the door saying, where is Jesus? Working hours are started. Let's go, people. We got healings that need to happen. Things have got to go. And so eventually Simon and the others start going around looking for Jesus. And they don't know where he is. So they probably spend a good amount of time looking for him. And then they find him and they tell him, everyone is looking for you. But the way they say it is an accusation. It's everyone is looking for you. People are coming to us saying, where are you? People want to be healed. They have their needs. What do you think you're doing out here? It's time to get back to the village and get to work. The crowd is calling for Jesus. The disciples want Jesus to come back and keep showing off his power. They want Jesus to be their miracle man. But Jesus isn't going to do that. Jesus isn't going to be the village of Capernaum's 24-hour pharmacy. He's not going to be defined by people's demands or by their plans. He's gone out to spend time with the Father. And now he is going to move God's plan forward. The disciples come to Jesus and they say, come back to town. We've got more for you to do. And Jesus says, no. He says, no. He says, let's go somewhere else. Let's go to the other nearby villages so I can preach there also. That's why I've come. Jesus didn't come to just be the miracle man for the village of Capernaum. He came to fulfill God's plan. He came to bring God's kingdom for the whole world. And it's not that Jesus didn't care about the people of Capernaum. He just spent a whole day healing their sick, casting out demons, helping these people in miraculous ways. But Jesus has a bigger mission to accomplish. And his plan takes priority. Now that, if we hear it in a certain way, that can sound harsh. If we hear it in a certain way, that can be hard to process. If we hear it in a way that says, well, Jesus doesn't care about our needs as much as he cares about some abstract plan, and that can be hard. It can be hard when we look at hard things in our life and say, well, why, why doesn't God just make everything right for us? Why why doesn't God cure our illnesses? Why doesn't God fix the problems in his life? What is this bigger plan and why do I care? Now, those are real and hard questions and I want to dive into them in a little more depth next week. But for today, this is so you come back next week, right? For today, I'm going to ask you to bracket some of those questions and just pay attention to what Mark is trying to show us for today. And we will get to those questions next week. But what Mark really wants us to see here with the healing of diseases and the casting out of demons is that Jesus has authority. 
Certainly, God wants to help people. Certainly, Jesus is doing these things because he loves these people. But these healings are not the end goal. They're not the end game of what Jesus is about. What Jesus is about is the big picture of making everything right. Jesus intends to announce the coming of God's kingdom and to have everyone move from the kingdom of this world to God's kingdom where everything is right and where everything will be made right one day. The healing of these diseases, the casting out of these demons is a step in that direction, but it's not the whole plan. And the crowd that kept on coming after Jesus, they wanted the miracles, but it doesn't seem like they were necessarily on board with Jesus' redemptive mission. They wanted the miracles more than they wanted the mission. And how often do we come to Jesus and say, do my will instead of coming to him and saying, thy will be done. How often do we show up and say, Jesus, what are you doing out here? We got needs, we got plans, get on board. Let me me ask you to really engage with this question tonight. Do we really want to receive what Jesus has to give? Do we really want Jesus to be Lord and King, or do we want Jesus to be the best traveling medicine show man? Do we want a miracle pill, or do we want a true Lord and Savior? And if we really want Jesus to be our Lord, then we need to come with a different spirit than God, do my will. Just like Jesus went to the Father and prayed and prayed and prayed, we should go to the Father and we should pray and pray and pray and pray. And as we experience needs in our lives, we are told to go to God and to bring him our needs and even to tell him what we want. But part of our prayer too needs to be, God, what do you want? Our prayer needs to be not just, God, do this for me, but God, what are you up to? God, what is your plan? God, what, what is it that you want to work in me or to have me work in your world through this circumstance? That's a hard thing to practice. It's a hard thing to believe because the needs in our lives are always real and always intense. But if we really believe that Jesus is who Mark says he is, then I think we can really trust that in the long run, what God wants to give us, what God plans is always going to be bigger and better than what we would ask for ourselves. We want this and that and the other thing And God wants to make us entirely new people and give us an entirely new kind of life that will last forever. The Lord wants to renew us completely. And that's our third point for tonight, that Jesus makes us truly clean. Let's go to that last story that we read in our text. And in that story, this is verses 44 to 45, a man with leprosy comes to Jesus and he gets down on his knees before Jesus and he begs, if you are willing you can make me clean. And now for a first century person, I can hardly convey to you the sense of disgust that that scene would have brought. It would have been offensive. It would have been disturbing to have a leper come to you. This leper is being a jerk. He is being aggressive. He is being selfish. He is being socially totally out of bounds. In those days, lepers were under a sentence of being unclean. They had this disease that robbed them of their health and this sentence of uncleanness robbed them of everything else. 
Lepers were basically treated like dead bodies, like corpses. If a leper stood under a tree, the tree was unclean. Chop it down. If a leper went into a house, the whole house was condemned as unclean. If a leper even came near you, you became unclean. So for a leper to approach someone was disgusting. It was offensive. It was nasty. It was unclean. And so you'd expect Jesus to step back in disgust and say, no, no, keep your distance. Keep your distance. But he doesn't do that. Rather than backing away, Jesus Jesus reaches out and he touches this man. And Jesus is reaching across a deep, wide valley that we can hardly even comprehend. He is entering into human suffering with that simple touch way, way more deeply than anyone else dared. If you touched a leper, you were treated like a leper. You might be able to get ritually clean, but for a while, you were a leper. The leper touching you or even coming close to you polluted you. The presence of leprosy made you unclean, even if you just had a passing encounter with it. And then you would have to go and isolate yourself and go through all kinds of things to get cleaned up. But in this encounter, as Mark shows it to us, Jesus is not polluted. This man with the worst of the worst conditions, with this terrible sickness, this man is dirty. He's nasty. And he comes to Jesus, and in this encounter, Jesus isn't polluted. In this encounter, Jesus makes the man clean. Hear that clearly. This man in a terrible place, this unclean person, doesn't pollute Jesus. Instead, Jesus makes him clean. And this is frankly unbelievable. This is beyond what you would expect. And I think there's a reason that Mark puts this story after that little pause in verses 35 to 39. If we think about this whole section that we read for tonight... Well, Jesus starts out by doing some miracles. He has this amazing teaching. He's healing people. He's casting out demons. All these wonderful things are happening, and people are on board with him doing, well, doing what they want, helping him out. And then there's this pause, and Jesus goes out, and he prays, and he prays, and he says, we're not going to do what people want. We're going to do what God wants. Hit the reset button, people. Ask not that your will be done, but ask that God's will be done. And then we go to the next section. And in the next section, Jesus shows that God's will is to go to those in need. In the next section, Jesus encounters a man who should have made Jesus unclean. He encounters someone who he should have backed away from in disgust. And instead, Jesus reaches out. Reaches out to a human in desperate need and brings healing and cleansing. And I think Mark sets the stories up this way to tell us that Jesus doesn't always give us what we expect, but what he gives us is the thing that we really, really need. I think as human beings, often it's hard for us to get past this idea that we need to make ourselves clean to come to God. 
for us, it can be so hard to get over this idea that God is standing back until we're clean, that he thinks we're dirty and nasty and we got to get our act cleaned up and we got to do everything right or he won't ever like us or love us or have anything to do with us. Sometimes we think we can't come to God if we're messed up. But what this text shows us is that our messiness doesn't put God off. The brokenness in our lives doesn't make God turn away or give us a clean yourself up sort of list. What this text shows us is that Jesus comes to us in our brokenness, in our need, in our isolation, in our desperation, and he takes all of that away. I am willing, Jesus says, be clean. I am willing be clean. Now, we only see the beginning of that process in our lives, but I think we do see it. And sometimes we see it in Jesus actually bringing physical healing or bringing healing from mental afflictions or from spiritual oppression. Sometimes we see it as we grow more and more free of our guilt and more and more able to live in joy with our Lord. Sometimes it's really hard for us to see how God is at work making us clean right here and right now. But if we belong to Jesus, we can be assured that he is at work in us and that he is making us clean. Jesus comes to make us clean and he makes us better than we could ever expect. Jesus is the real medicine we need. And he doesn't come to us like a showman with all kinds of tricks and all kinds of things trying to con us out of something. Jesus comes to us with real authority and real power and real grace and real love. Jesus is the Holy One of God. Nothing unclean can touch Him and everything that He touches becomes clean. Whatever's going on in your life, whether you've been a Christian for a week or a lifetime, whatever's going on in your life, if you run to Jesus... He will continue to make you clean. May we all live in that hope forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the good news that you give us in your word. We thank you also for the challenge that we hear tonight to not just go to you and demand our way. Lord, I pray that you help all of us to refocus. We pray that you deepen our faith in you. We pray that you help us to see what your will is and to bring our wills into line with your plans. Lord, give us eyes to see the blessings that you intend to give us and help us to see how the treasures that you have for us far outweigh anything else we could ever look for. Lord, if we're in a hard place tonight, I pray that you bless us with your peace and with your joy. Lord, if we're in a good place tonight, bless us with more growth. Help us to grow deeper in our love for you and our gratitude for you and help us to turn our blessings outward to be a blessing to others. And Lord, in all that we do, we pray that you help us to live lives of gratitude, of thanksgiving, because you have given us so much. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.